Welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Oh, well, coming down off of the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show, which was last weekend, as everybody knows, and it was so much fun. Anybody that listens to this show knows, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Uh, So much fun. It was at CenturyLink Field Event Center. It's... uh, one of our biggest events every year that we do had a booth there and got to meet so many people. So I had some highlights over the weekend that I just wanted to recap. And then after I get us caught up on the events of the Seattle Kennel Club Dog Show, then I'll be talking with Lola Ball, who is actually in studio with us, who is the author of a book titled When Your Dog Has Cancer making the right decisions for you and your dog. And we'll be talking about that topic after I recap the show. And it's an important topic. There's a lot to it for sure. We won't get to all of it um, today that's in the book, but it's a great resource. It's called When Your Dog Has Cancer. And Lola Ball is the author. author. We'll be talking to her in just a few minutes. So I just have to say some highlights from the dog show, the Seattle Kennel Club dog show. We had a great location. We were basically right in the middle of everything. I got to meet Janine Prindle and Cranberry. Cranberry is the first guide dog to earn her utility title, to finish her utility title, which is a type of competition obedience. Uh, Janine is visually impaired and has a guide dog. And um, And we heard all about Cranberry on last week's show. We did. I interviewed Janine last week. And that show is archived on our website, as are all of our over 200 episodes, dogradioshow.com, and also on iTunes as a free podcast. So you can listen to us there as well. So I got to meet Janine and Cranberry, which was great. I also got to see Janine and Cranberry actually compete on Saturday morning, and then I met them on Sunday morning. They came by the booth. Of course, I couldn't say hi to Cranberry because she was in harness, and everybody knows not to disturb a dog when they're working. Regardless, everybody that listens to this show. Everybody knows. that listens to this show. <laughs> uh, regardless of how adorable they are. And it was hard because Cranberry was looking at me, trying to get some natural pet pantry treats out of me, but I just focused on Janine. You can't blame Cranberry for that. You can't. You can't. Uh, got to meet Buddha, the bulldog. Oh, little Buddha that was missing for a while. Buddha that was missing for 17 days. Back in action. Yeah. They found him, and he's back at home, and he was at the show uh, as part of the Bulldog Haven um, uh, booth, up. I think, in the as part of the Meet the Breed um, section that they have at the Seattle Dog Show. Oh, my gosh. He's adorable. So there's photos of all of this on our Facebook page. So if you're on Facebook, you can find us, The Dog Show with Julie Forbes, and um, check out the the photos. I got to meet the number one female greyhound in the country, as far as showing goes. Freya. She was very pretty. I got to see my cattle dog's nephew, Barney. He's the number sixth-ranked cattle dog in the country, and he won his group. No, he he took group three. He won of all the cattle dogs and then represented the breed in his group. That was exciting. And then, of course, just meeting listeners and meeting new fans who were so excited to hear about the show and didn't know about it. Awesome. Yeah. And they probably walked away with some dog talk show stickers, I would imagine. They sure did. They sure did. Very excited. The car stickers. If you would like a car sticker... 
and maybe you don't live in the area and you can't pick one up at uh, all the best pet care because they're at all of their locations and and others around the area, you can just email me, host at dogradioshow.com, and just ask me for a sticker or maybe if you're a professional and you want to hand stickers out to your clients, tell me how many you want. I have thousands of them, so I'm happy to send them out. Host at dogradioshow.com is how you get in touch. And, you know, as the uh, the weather reminds us, it's important that they are weatherproof, but also... <laughs> being uh, put on Go their ahead. cars by <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. almost exclusively by dog owners. It is also important that they are urine-proof. So, urine, yeah. I would say maybe resistant. Urine-resistant. Yeah. Which, Which is good. Of, yes. Important <laughs> yes, for a it sticker. Is. Because urine often gets on cars. Well, if you've got a dog, <laughs> it's possible. Yeah, possible. <laughs> maybe on the wheel. Anyway, um, so let's switch gears now. So I was I we're talking about a very serious topic and a topic that's loaded with emotion. So I, did, I wasn't just going to bounce out of it afterwards and then recap the Seattle Dog Show. And this is a topic that is uh, close to home for me and uh, certainly very close to home for the author. Uh, Lola Ball is with us today. Lola, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's yeah. a pleasure to be here. Good. So we met at the A Help Animal Hospice End of Life palliative care project event that was in February and Michelle Nichols who's the founder had was had been telling me about you and then we got to meet and I got to hear you talk there and that was great and got your book and the book is titled when your dog has cancer making the right decisions for you and your dog and you know just it's I was just talking on the show. I was just on the radio show actually before this on Healthy You Radio with Keisha Ewers, and we had a great conversation all about health and um, emotional, spiritual, and a lot about nutrition and all that. And, you know, we were talking a lot about how the dog world is it mirrors the human world. And, you know, cancer is a big, is a very common thing among people. You know, I, my mom had ovarian cancer. I have friends who have battled or are currently battling forms of cancer. And it is so with dogs as well. And it's, you know, I, it's unique, though, dogs, given that they have shorter lifespans. And, you know, I think that there's unique challenges when you're when you're faced with cancer with your pet. I think the decisions are different. Absolutely. Um, and your book is such a great resource for people and it it just talks and we're going to talk about some of the information in the book today on the show um but if you're interested in learning about this now or if you are actually faced with this now if your pet has cancer um you can get the book and just read through it yourself and benefit from all the information in it so lola tell us how what inspired you to write this in the first place so my first dog ever, Porter, mm-hmm. who is a chocolate lab, yeah. um, and you know one of the loves of my life, one of the canine loves of my life. Yeah. Um, he, when he was about nine, um, I found out that he had cancer, mm-hmm. and it was not something that I had ever been expecting because the dog had already been through a lot. I mean, he had epilepsy. Mm-hmm. As a result of the medication that he took to treat the epilepsy initially, he developed a thyroid condition mm. and so had to be on thyroid medication as well. And, you know, the thing that I most feared was that 
you know, the epilepsy would rear its ugly head and come back. And I just never expected a diagnosis of cancer because I felt like, you know, he's already been through enough already in his short life. Right. Um, And when I got that diagnosis, I was completely floored. You know, Mm -hmm. as a result, I had just no idea that this was coming. And, you know, I had no experience personally with cancer, whether, you know, in in people or in in dogs. And Mm -hmm. so I embarked on this, you know, big learning journey. Mm -hmm. Um, But unfortunately, you know, the the time that I had to learn about it was I felt really short, really condensed. Yeah. Um, And I felt this pressure to find out all I could about cancer as quickly as possible so that I could apply it to his care. Mm -hmm. And um, just throughout the experience that we had, I learned so much about, you know, getting diagnosed correctly, um, about discovering what your options were to treat the particular cancer that you were faced. Um, and then in my particular case, I, uh, because of our situation, because it was a, a cancer called hemangiosarcoma, which is a pretty you know serious, nasty cancer, as cancers go, mm-hmm. um, it had already metastasized. Um, and the location of you know the, the most egregious tumors were such that they could not be removed. So surgery wasn't an option. Because of his age and some of the other you know, illnesses that he had, I really... Um, felt that chemotherapy was not going to be a good treatment option for him either. Plus, you know, it would not have eradicated the cancer. So right. it would have been something that we would have continued to, de- to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so inadvertently, what I did was just focus on ensuring that he had the highest quality of life possible. Mm-hmm. So making sure he wasn't in pain, making sure that every day was enjoyable for him, that he was still, you know, wagging his tail when it was time to go for walks, that he still looked forward to meal times, um, that he loved his treats, that he liked to, you know, play ball and, and do some of the fun things that, you know, he had always done. Um, and so what I discovered after the fact was that I was basically using hospice um, care mm-hmm. as a way to manage his cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, in all of the research that I had done, I never came across a book or anything that really talked about hospice care mm-hmm. in application to animals. Sure. And um, so I felt afterwards very strongly that I wanted to um, share everything that I had learned with other dog owners out there because mm-hmm. I didn't want anyone to have to go through the struggles that I did to learn everything um, Alone. that I did. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I felt like I had compiled such a, a broad set of resources, you know, both with respect to um, you know, dealing with the cancer and diagnosis and treatments, and then also, you know, looking at nutrition and, and massage and alternate alternative therapies uh, like acupuncture and Chinese herbs, um, that I wanted to compile all of this in one place for other people yeah. so that they could benefit from what I had learned. Right. So That's wonderful. It's such a great thing that you've done. Um, and to honor Porter in this way mm-hmm. as well, yeah. you know. Um, All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be talking more with Lola Ball, who's the author of When Your Dog Has Cancer, Making the Right Decisions for You and Your Dog. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk 1150. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, 
raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to New Pro Supplements, we cover the world of animals. This week it's the third Sunday, and that means it's a Kevin and Kim Sunday. Always entertaining, Kevin McDonald and Kim Miller Medium and Animal Intuitive will be hosting the show for me. They'll have open phone lines for your calls, so Kim can help you connect with your animal or human loved ones on this side or the other. Plan to give her a call. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Want a faster metabolism? Desperate for more energy throughout the day? Food is our most powerful medicine, and on Passionate Nutrition Radio, I'll answer your burning nutrition questions and offer real solutions for your family. On Passionate Nutrition Radio, you'll learn how to transform how you look and feel with the foods that you eat. My name is Jennifer Adler, and I'm a nutritionist, chef, and founder of Passionate Nutrition, a nutrition practice with six locations throughout the greater Puget Sound area. Join me on Passionate Nutrition Radio for a weekly serving of nutrition wisdom. Learn more at PassionateNutrition.com. That's Passionate Nutrition every Friday at noon. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206-329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet. A local family practice. JetCityAnimalClinic.com Like what you hear? Be sure and support the sponsors who support your favorite programs on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. <clears throat> we are back with Lola Ball, who's the author of When Your Dog Has Cancer, a book inspired by her personal experience with her first dog, Porter, her first canine love of her life. And uh, also your second dog, too, ended up yes. having cancer as yes. well. And I'm blanking on his name. His name Jasper. is Jasper. Ha-ha. Yep. <laughs> Uh, because I dedicated the show to Porter and Jasper on Facebook and, of course, my Chewy, who I lost to hemangiosarcoma as well. And as you, I remember listening to your talk at the AHELP project um, function in February, and you started getting a little emotional when you were talking about your boy. And I was like, oh, Lola, I know. You know, it's been... A few years now for me since Chewy passed away, and he, I still think about him every day. He was my first dog as an adult. I got him when I was 20. He got me through my 20s. You know, he died when I was 32. And he was just, in in a lot of ways, obviously not romantic, but a love of my life. 
for sure. So when you, I just totally got you and your relationship with your boy. Yeah. And it's, it is so hard when, you know, I mean, we've talked about, you know, I'm so excited to work with you as a board member, Mm -hmm. as a fellow board member for a help project, really talking and supporting people and pets who are, faced with end-of-life conversations, whether it be cancer or otherwise, because there's a lot to it. And there's a lot of intense emotion that's around it as well. And to really help people, to support people in making the best choices for them and especially for their pet. Because if, if not in any other time, our animals need us to advocate for them in their end of life to really prevent suffering and, and have that process be as best as it can be. Absolutely. And one of the reasons that the the book is titled Making the Right Decisions for You and Your Dog is because um, that decision will be different for every person and their dog. Right. Um, one of the things that came uh, came out for me in the, the research that I did for this book and the various interviews that I did with people is that even if you have the same kind of cancer, mm-hmm. you know, every dog is different. You know, the, yeah. it manifests differently in every everyone's body. And mm-hmm. You know, every um, pet owner is also different, and and there are different circumstances, you know, surrounding, you know, your lives and, and sure. that of your, your dog. And so there's no cookie-cutter approach yeah. to dealing with a cancer diagnosis for your dog. And what mm-hmm. might be right for, you know, one family mm-hmm. is not going to be right for another family. And I think mm-hmm. it's really important to let go of any kind of, you know, judgment or, you know, um, preconceptions of what should happen or, you know, how it's supposed to be. Right. Because those, you know, uh, supposed to's and, and you know, have to's, th- that, you know, kind of goes out the window when you're yeah. dealing with something like cancer. And it's certainly not an added stressor that anybody needs when they're faced with any end-of-life conversation, cancer or otherwise. Um, so let's, there's so much in this book, we'll have to have, you know, sort of, piece this out to really get to all of it. I think that it's it's important conversation to have. It's not the most fun, but it is part of the deal in living with pets. Hopefully, we outlive our pets. Mm-hmm. And it's it's tough and and fortunately it is a conversation that people are having more and more and that it's not just something that people aren't really talking about because it is devastating. Yeah. It's the most profound, one of the most profound experiences I've ever had in my life was going through the loss of mm-hmm. my boy. And, um, and you know, there's a lot to that. And I've talked about that on the show. You can actually listen to the shows following his death. You can hear how I sounded. And, uh, you know, I've talked about it quite a bit. Um, so let's start with um, the you know, around the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And and even before that, as you said, even getting to a point where the person is aware that there is something to check out. And so, you know, you talk in the book about um, the importance of, of putting your hands on your dog. I mean, I think a lot of us do this anyway, but really intentional, like we're supposed to do self-exams to catch if there's a lump or something changes. And that it's important, especially as your dog ages, to be familiar with their body. Absolutely. Um, I do better, you know, examinations of my dogs than I do of right. myself. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think you have to, you know, you have to, at the end of the day, know your dog. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to have a baseline of what's normal 
for your dog. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll take the example of uh, uh, actually Porter's half-brother, Scooby, who is um, now 13. He just turned 13 at the end of February. Uh Um, And uh, he does not have cancer, but he does have quite a lot of lipomas or fatty tumors. Um, He just happens to be the kind of dog that... He's a lumpy guy. He just has a lot of lumps. And, you know, I am... I monitor them, you know, I mean, every day when I pet him, I, I feel his entire body. I know exactly where they are. I know if they've grown in size or if they've decreased in size. And, you know, in the case of Scooby, what I look for is, you know, rapid changes, you know, um, where they're growing really rapidly or there are many more than, than there used to be all of a sudden. And um, I always bring them to the attention of our vet. And, you know, in his particular case, you know, I don't have um, I don't have every single one biopsied. You know, there have been a few strange, you know, kind of growths that I have had biopsied, and they've always come out um, negative um, mm-hmm. for cancer. Um, but you know, if I were to go ahead and have every single one biopsied or have a fine needle aspirate, I mean, he would be at the vet's office all the time, mm-hmm. and it would be kind of traumatic for him, mm-hmm. you know, to constantly have to go into the vet. Um, so I think it's really important to know what's normal for your dog, mm-hmm. and when you see something that isn't normal, that you take action immediately. Yeah. Um, in the case of Porter, uh, what? was abnormal was, you know, we were, we were going on one of our morning walks and when he urinated, um, on the corner, um, on a Seattle street, Mm -hmm. uh, near the, uh, Olympic sculpture park, Mm -hmm. um, I noticed it was kind of tinged with red. Mm -hmm. Um, the color just really didn't look right. And I thought, Hmm, that's kind of strange, you know? And then I watched him the next few times and the color kind of stayed that way. Um, so I called the vet, um, and she happened to have an appointment later that day. So I took him in. Um, I brought a urine sample, which, you know, was was certainly challenging because <laughs> um, he was not very excited about me right. you know, taking a urine, urine sample. Um, and he kind of gave me this look like, you know, what are you doing? <laughs> right. Um, so um, so I brought the samples in and they did some blood work, et cetera. And, um, you know, her initial thought was, you know what, this just looks like it's a, a urinary tract infection. And so what we'll do is we'll just give you some antibiotics and, you know, hopefully that'll clear it up. But I'll send the, the results or the, the test into the lab and we'll let you know what the results are tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next morning, you know, after I'd been giving him the antibiotics for, you know, almost 24 hours, um, the, the coloration in the urine was gone. Mm-hmm. So it was back to normal. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, great. That's all it was. Just a right. UTI. No big deal. Yeah. And then later got the call saying that, oh, it's yeah. actually not. A UTI, it's it's cancer. Yeah, so. and it's interesting, and I think this is a challenge for pets specifically because they 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 don't talk to us with words, mm-hmm. so they're not like, oh, I've got this pain in my what you know, let's go have this checked out. You really have to be observant and kind of pick yep. up on every little thing, and if so, if Porter and my Chewy both had the same type of cancer, and how we found out about it were two different ways. Right. How did you find out about Chewy? Well, he just crashed like one day, Mm -hmm. just was on his bed and wasn't getting up. And I was like, what's wrong, buddy? Are you sick? You know, do you have have like a flu or what's, you know, what's going on? And um, took him in and um, I don't remember, I think they did an 
x-ray and saw that there was a large um a large amount of fluid in his abdomen mm-hmm. and then test took a sample of the fluid and and it was blood mm-hmm. and so he was bleeding internally and that's why he was crashing because his he was bleeding out basically internally so he had no energy and um it was uh you know, that'll happen with the tumors is that they'll like sort of detach from the site and then the dog will bleed out and then eventually it will at some point clot and then they reabsorb the blood and seem better. Right. And then it'll just happen again. And that, that the bleed out can kill them. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's how, I mean, it, for me, it was a very fast right. thing where I got this. I was like, oh, what's wrong with you? Because he, he was a dog that was very... Uh, robust. Mm-hmm. He didn't have arthritis. He was 12. Lab mix. Uh, tall, big dog, deep chest. No arthritis. Very uh, a boisterous, robust dog. And I was like, sweet. You know, and of course I fed him well and, you know, t- took amazing care of him. And I'm like, you, I always used to say to him, like, you're living till you're 40, buddy. Like, you know, and, you know, it just something else got him. And, and I was like, okay, well, what's, you know, surgery, he could die in surgery because of his age and because of the amount of blood that he had lost. Right. And I had all these options. And I was just like, well, you know, I ended up just letting him go because I knew for sure what was not going to happen on my watch was that he was not going to suffer. Right. But that was hard to get to that decision because it's the last thing you want to do absolutely and so it's you know all of these different things and then there's other you know there was a story in the back of your book you have some different stories that you talk about and um you have a story about um jack and david and Mm -hmm. jack's symptoms were um jack was a lab mix like lab shepherd or something And he had some, he used to eat grass and then vomited. And he had sort of some vomiting issues. And it ended up um, that, you know, he had cancer in his uh, stomach. Uh, was sort of in the lining of his stomach. Right. And, um, you know, so it's all these different things that you might think, okay, well, the dog's throwing up. They have an upset stomach. Let's give him an antacid or let's play around with the food or you know, so it's one of the, I think the hardest things about it is that it's like, well, well, pretty much any symptom it seems like could be cancer. So, right. like, how do you know, right, what's what? Right. And you know, another um, another really interesting story was the story of Kess and Tomby. Yeah. And you know, with Kess's situation, you know, she had lameness in her leg, mm-hmm. and to the point where you know it was extremely painful for her to even walk, and. You know, she's a flying disc dog. I mean, mm-hmm. she's a champion. Yeah. Um, so she's all about being out there and, you know, catching that disc and being really active. And so what Tombi had done was taken her in to, you know, try to find out what was going on with her leg. They had actually done several biopsies mm-hmm. and they kept coming back negative. Wow. For cancer. I mean, multiple times. Yeah. And so, um, but, you know, the, the leg just kept getting worse and worse. And she had tried, you know, confining Kess, you know, to a crate for like six months to give the leg some rest and yeah. an ability to heal. And it just wouldn't heal. And finally, you know, at the vet, she said, well, you know, can we amputate? Yeah. And, you know, the vet was, you know, so 
thankful that she had come to that conclusion on her own because that's obviously a very hard conversation sure. to have with, right. with a, a dog owner. Yeah. Um, but they went ahead and amputated the leg, and Kess has done great. She still continues to be a flying disc dog, and she is still a champion. Um, and the, the veterinarian, the surgeon at the time, had said, you know, do you mind if I do one last biopsy and decided to send the results to a different laboratory for analysis. Mm. And, you know, Kess at that point, I mean, it was it was mood, right? It wasn't going to change what sure. had already happened. But she agreed to have it biopsied and then they sent it off to a different lab. And lo and behold, that's when it came back wow. as being cancerous. Man. So the tests are not perfect. And I would, you know, really encourage people, you know, like I said, you know, we were talking about before, having a baseline for your dog and knowing what's normal for your dog, both in terms of behavior and appearance and characteristics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is super, super important because, you know, your instincts, your gut will tell you, mm-hmm. you know, when, when something's wrong. And even if you get a, a test done and it, it comes back a certain way that you were not expecting, get another test, go to a different lab, you yep. know, find another way to make sure that, you know, you're getting the the right information yeah. about what's happening. Yeah. Well, it's a great point. We're going to talk more about that when we come back from break. We're talking with Lola Ball, who's the author of When Your Dog Has Cancer. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk Electric Incorporated is a full-service electrical contractor. From simple home repairs to full remodels, new construction, and small commercial projects, our qualified electricians do it all. We pride ourselves on our workmanship and professional standards, delivered with value in mind. Located in historic Ballard, Kemley Electric serves the greater Seattle metropolitan area. Licensed, bonded, and insured. Kemley Electric welcomes all inquiries about your electrical needs. Visit the website kemleyelectric.com. That's K-E-M-L-Y electric.com. I'm Christine Cisneros, and I host The Confessional, where we know 100% that you are the solution for the planet. Flourish together as listeners looking to co-create conscious and sustainable commerce with Discover You. Instead of six degrees of separation, I believe we live in connection seven billion strong now is your time to let your light shine and the world is just waiting for you to light it up tune in thursdays at noon for the confessional and for more information visit confess to who is jopra what is jopra when is jopra joe Jano is the host of a brand new show called jopra joe has been nicknamed jopra by his friends and colleagues who find his advice and insight to be enlightening just like a certain other talk show host of world without born and raised in seattle independent-minded joe Jano is bringing issues to the airwaves that make you ponder laugh and deliberate the jopra show is about the ins and outs of food and drink relationships entertainment and so much more get to know jopra every thursday at two right here on alternative talk 1150 Do you have an injury, old or new, that won't heal? Are you fighting a cold or illness you can't kick? Do you feel like you've tried everything and are still struggling to find wellness and balance in your physical health? Have you been unimpressed with acupuncture in the past? For over a decade, Robert Meduzia has been making a difference for people who thought they had exhausted their options. Don't settle for pain and illness. 
call 425-828-6190. That's 425-828-6190. Again, 425-828-6190. The Acupuncture and Sports Clinic of Kirkland. Heal faster, play longer. Notice anything different? You should. There's no other station like Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. We'd like to take a quick minute and acknowledge our wonderful partners of The Dog Show, uh, Natural Pet Pantry, naturalpetpantry.com is their website raw and cooked food diets for dogs and cats nutrition so important if you've listened to the show you know how important it is also jet city animal clinic uh having a great vet as you know especially as it pertains to this topic um uh talking today with lola ball who's the author of when your dog has cancer you know to have a great team of vets to work with who who are as in tune to your pet as, as you are or as much as they can be. They don't live with them, obviously. But, um, you know, having a relationship with a vet that empowers you and a vet that listens and um, and all that good stuff. Jet City Animal Clinic, Dr. Erica Anderson, they are so wonderful there and um, have had personal experience. And so many of my friends and family and clients who are just raving about them. JetCityAnimalClinic.com is their website. All the best pet care, of course. All the best food, treats, and toys for your dog and cat. They've been providing the highest quality nutrition and other wonderful products since 1985 to the area, back when there was nothing really <laughs> great available. I mean, these they are a lot of the reason why this area is such a great area to live in and is so aware of nutrition. They have played a big part in that. Allthebestpetcare.com is their website. You can find out where all of their 10 locations are around Western Washington. So we were talking about um, the importance of your gut and your instinct and, um, and, and how that pertains to, you know, diagnosis and, and testing. Because you were sharing a story at the end of the last segment about um, somebody who had multiple tests that kept coming back negative and it wasn't until the leg was amputated that they did one more test, sent it to a different lab and then it came back positive. Right. And so there's different types of tests and you have this outlined in your book. The book is titled when your dog has cancer. It's a great resource for people when your dog has cancer. And also if you just want to be informed, you know, it's, it's not my favorite thing to talk about, you know, Right. But it's so val- I'm also aware of how valuable the conversation mm-hmm. is and how important it is to be empowered so that you can advocate for your pet right. if and when you are faced with this. So there's there's um, in your first chapter, you talk about the diagnosis. And so it really helps guide people through the different steps. Right. Um, you know, the different tests. So there's a blood analysis, urine analysis, which is what led you to Porter's diagnosis, right. your first dog. Right. X-rays, which are what clued us in to Chewy. Mm-hmm. Um, ultrasound, which is a, sort of a better view than an X-ray. You get the 2D representation. Right. And they can kind of look in further. And then 
other other tests. Uh, oh, the aspirate, which is what you were talking about, aspirate and biopsy. So an aspirate. Right. So what is the difference between aspirate and a biopsy? So with a fine needle aspirate, they literally take a very fine long needle and you know, if you have either one tumor or multiple tumors, what they'll do is they will insert this long needle into the tumor and then pull out a small sample of the tumor. Like suck out some cells. Kind yeah, of. yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a very, it's the same procedure that they use on people. I've actually had this done for myself several times. Uh-huh. Um, so, uh, you know, and the dog is obviously, and the person, <laughs> yeah. um, the area is anesthetized mm-hmm. so that, you know, you don't feel any pain when this is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, the nice thing about it is that it's not a, um, it doesn't require stitches, you know, when right. the procedure is done. So, so that's a good thing. I mean, it's, it's minimally invasive as invasive procedures go. Sure. Um, but the problem with the fine needle aspirate is that, you know, if you have a tumor and say, you know, it's a couple of inches um, in diameter, the the needle only goes into one part of, of the tumor, right. right? And so, you know, that uh, needle could maybe hit some fluid or it might hit an area of the tumor where there isn't um, cancer present. Sure. And so it's kind of like a little bit of a shot in the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in the case of, you know, Porter, he had five different tumors all throughout his abdomen. When they did the final aspirate, um, there was uh, two of the tumors that they didn't touch because they uh, assessed that they were fluid-filled. Mm-hmm. And if you know they're fluid-filled and you put a needle in, you could imagine what would happen. It might right. rupture, right. Um, and that could be dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so they opted not to do the aspirate on those two. And of the remaining three... Um, the aspirate only caught, you know, two instances of, of cancer. So, and the third one found nothing cancerous. Um, and so, you know, two out of five of the tumors, you know, were, did have some cancer present. Um, and then based on, you know, the fine needle aspirate and the ultrasound and the x-ray that we had done, plus the blood, blood work and urinalysis that had been done, you know, that was when we were able to come up with a diagnosis of hemangiosarcoma. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, with a biopsy, it's a more invasive surgical procedure where, you know, they actually take larger, you know, the, the dog has to be, um, you know, cut open, an incision has to be made, and they take a larger sample of tissue. And um, because they have a larger sample of tissue, you know, the um, likelihood that you're going to, you know, catch and di- be able to diagnose, you know, what is present is is greater. Mm-hmm. So you're not just taking like this kind of small shot in the dark. I mean, the right. fine needle aspirate, it's a very fine needle. It's a smaller um, sample. Yes, yeah. much smaller sample. So the biopsy <clears throat> is, you know, um, kind of the surefire way to know exactly, you know, what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that sample is analyzed to determine exactly what the kind of cancer is that is present and, um, to ascertain, you know, um, other information potentially about what kind of cancer it might be. Yeah. And, you know, and yeah. you talk about the common types of cancer in your mm-hmm. second chapter. Hemangiosarcoma is at the top. Yep. Cancer that occurs in areas where there are many blood vessels, yep. like organ in organs like the spleen and the pancreas mm-hmm. or in the abdominal region. And it often metastasizes to the liver. And this was something that they said was so common in yep. lab-type dogs right. or large-breed dogs. Mm-hmm. And then there's osteosarcoma. So this is cancer of the bone. 
um, tends to appear on the long bones of the legs or the flat bones of the ribs, particularly in middle-aged dogs. More common in males than females <clears throat> and in larger breeds. And then there's all these other types of cancers. Yep. So the part of this whole cancer conversation, and this is true with people as well, of course, mm-hmm. is that there's so many different types. They behave differently. Absolutely. Treatments are different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, too, with the treatment, it depends, you know, on exactly where the cancer is. You know, there are definitely situations where, um, you know, you might employ one method of treatment if the cancer is in one place, but if it's in another place, you know, if it's close to other organs that are, you know, very critical or if it's, you know, on Mm. the head or, you know, the face or in the mouth, your options might be more limited. Yeah. And the other kicker about cancer is that, so there's different types of cancer and there's a lot that we know about cancer and as you say in your book, there's always exceptions. Mm -hmm. So I know personally from my own experience, both with my mother and with friends, is when they say, oh, this isn't this, you know, well, it's not likely to be cancer because because X, Y, Z. And then it is. So for me, that's really lost. It's I don't like that statement to me has no meaning anymore. Absolutely. It's probably not. Well, (laughs) it's been a few cases now where it has been and it probably wasn't and it just there's always exceptions and that makes it hard also because you know regardless of what we know like you said uh, of the different types or how they manifest there's always exceptions Um, which brings us back you know in the testing like the story you shared um, at the end of the last segment And if you've missed any part of this interview or any of our episodes, you can find them all archived on our website, dogradioshow.com, and also on iTunes as a free audio podcast, Um, is the importance of really being tuned in and trusting your intuition, Mm -hmm. listening to your intuition. Um, If you have something checked out and the particular vet is like, oh, don't worry about it. Here's some antibiotics. Or, oh, oh, I sent it. Sent it. Oh, yeah, this is of concern. Let's send it out. Comes back negative. If you have a gut feeling, mm-hmm. follow it. Because, you know, that that's happened, unfortunately, so many times, um, not even in the cancer conversation, but where it's like you get this, this one opinion or this one take and just either based off of timing or the individual, it's like, yeah, I don't, mm, I'm not confident in this. And so to really trust yourself because nobody knows your dog better than you. Exactly. And, you know, to a certain extent, uh, medicine, whether it's for people or for animals, is still a bit of an art sure. um, other than a science. And yeah. um, I'll tell you about another story. When we come back from break. So hold that thought, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. You're listening to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes on Alternative Talk. I love my dog as much as I love you. But you may think my dog will always come through. Wish your dog didn't hate going to the vet? Wish you were welcomed by a team who cared? Jet City Animal Clinic is an enjoyable respite from the same old thing. Dr. Anderson and her team have created a full-service facility that combines veterinary expertise with a comfortable style. 
Jet City Animal Clinic is located in Seattle's Capitol Hill neighborhood on 12th Avenue across from Seattle U. Bring your crazy questions, odd ideas, and alternative thinking. Jet City Animal Clinic will work with you to keep your furry family members healthy and happy. Traditionally educated with an open mind, call us at 206 329-0253 or email info at jetcityanimalclinic.com to make an appointment. Jet City Animal Clinic, a unique approach to the health care of your urban pet, a local family practice. Jetcityanimalclinic.com. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior training and nutrition specialist, www.sensitivedog.com. For local news events and silliness, tune into Concerning Washington. We are committed to providing you with the most recent and interesting stories affecting the Pacific Northwest. CW Talk Radio brings you several sides of local news stories and a pretty unique sense of humor that'll start your weekend off right. Your hosts, Tim, Lynn, and Anna, keeping you informed and entertained every Saturday at noon. This week, Coal Trains, between a shamrock and a hard place. Saturday at noon. You're listening to the refreshingly different Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. Welcome back to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. And we are back talking with Lola Ball, who is the author of When Your Dog Has Cancer. Welcome back. So you were just, today's show, you have this book. It's such a great resource. There's so much information in it that, you know, we're talking about a specific aspect of this, which is really the beginning of of the finding, the noticing, um, that, that very beginning part of this conversation. And there is so much more to it. Um, you know, chemo versus no chemo, surgery versus no surgery, euthanasia versus no euthanasia, euthanasia versus natural death. I mean, like so much to talk about. Right. And then there's the whole grief process, which I have talked about before on the show. That's a that's a whopper of a conversation as well. Today, we're really focusing on the detection, what to look for. And it really it's a tough one because so it can look it can present in so many different ways. Discoloration of the urine. Uh, drop in energy, digestive upset, mm-hmm. actual visible lumps. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a story that talks about something called degranulation that I want you to share because I didn't know about this until I read your book, and it's an important one, I think, for people to know about. Yep. So um, with Jasper, um, another dog that I had who I had adopted from Posado Safe Haven, um, mm-hmm. he wound up having mast cell tumor, and I had not had experience with that particular form of cancer. And was very surprised when the doctor had, um, the veterinarian had prescribed um, things like Pepsid AC um, and Benadryl to help manage some of his symptoms. And it turns out with mast cell tumors, the tumors release um, histamines and other chemicals um, into the body that are called, uh, that result in something called a degranulation event. Mm. Um, And in that event, uh, 
you know, the your dog will take a bit of a, a downturn. You know, they'll be uh, more lethargic and they'll have uh, they'll seem like they're, you know, regressing in terms of their their symptoms. Um, but it doesn't last, you know, an incredibly long time. But it's important that you manage, you know, you, you give them something to counteract the histamines and the um, the other chemicals that are released into the body, um, acids in the stomach or they can occasionally bleed out as well. So I was mm-hmm. giving him some Chinese herbs to to manage that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a friend of mine had has a, a two-year-old Vishla, and, you know, he was just a baby, and I noticed that there was a growth next to his ear. And my son and my friend's son happened to be doing 4-H together with our two-year-old uh, puppies at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I see, I'd see him every week and notice that this, this mass was just growing like crazy. And he also had a situation where he would get hives. Um, mm-hmm. And my friend had no idea what it was because he was on a consistent diet and he would just get hives all over his body that would maybe last for 24 hours or so and then go away. And so that, you know, started to get me thinking, hmm, you know, he has this this big growth on his ear. It's a strange place. It, it doesn't feel like a, a fatty tumor. Um, he's very young to have something like this. And plus he has these hives. And so I encouraged her to get it checked out from her veterinarian. And she took him in and the veterinarian said, well, it's just a cyst. That's all it is. Don't worry. But it continued to grow. And, mm-hmm. you know, at one point I said, Lisa, you need to get you need to get this removed because mm-hmm. this is getting dangerous. Um, so she had a surgery scheduled and it turned out that it was not a cyst. After all, it mm-hmm. was a tumor. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time they did a biopsy. Of course, they didn't know this when they were doing the surgery. And typically when you do a surgical remover- removal of a tumor, you want to ensure that you get what's called margins. So you want to ensure that you have enough of an area around the tumor so that if any residual cancer cells are in that surrounding area, they're removed as well so that they can't, you know, continue to live in the body and and propagate. Mm -hmm. And so um, when the biopsy came back, it was malignant and it was mast cell tumor. Mm. Um, Luckily, it was only stage one, which Mm -hmm. means that it's just isolated to that one area. Um, but now she's embarked on, you know, an effort to find out, well, what, what should she do next? So she, I referred her to um, an oncologist in the area, mm-hmm. and they are consulting with the surgeon to see if they can go in and do further surgery to remove the margins this time around. Right. But because it's in such an odd spot, like right by the ear, right on the skull, yeah. you know, there's only so much you can take out. Sure. I mean, you, you know, that you can't cut into the skull. I mean, right. and you also don't want to damage the ear. So it's a it's a somewhat tricky right. situation. It's not like it's on his thigh or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So there isn't a whole lot of area to remove, um, you know, on mm-hmm. the top of, of of the head. So yeah. what do you in the meantime, because there's so much that there is to talk about about this. Um, you know, of course, your book is a great resource for people. It's called When Your Dog Has Cancer. Lola Ball, as in ball. Right. <laughs> is uh is the author, and uh, you can find it through Dogwise, um, Amazon, Amazon, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> so there's this resource. Um, but you know, there's just so much to it, and especially for someone, well, even for someone who's even been through it before, if mm-hmm. it's a different type of cancer, yep, it you might not know. Oh, this is a mast cell tumor. This degranulation thing can happen. 
you know, it seems like this dog's having an allergic reaction, but it's actually a function of a tumor. Right. Now, can that happen if a tumor's not visible? Can that happen from an internal tumor? Or is this usually... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, in Jasper's case, uh, the, the tumor was in his abdomen. So, um, and because he had, I had adopted him um, from Posados, and we really didn't have a good sense of how old he was. Yeah. Uh, you know, the veterinarian and I talked about it, and, you know, our estimate was that he was... Um, about Scooby's age at the time, which was nine and um, or ten, and uh, you know we had no idea of his medical history. Yeah, um, I know that when he was first brought to Posados, he did have a growth on his on his face somewhere that was removed, but that was before I had started volunteering there, and so I didn't know exactly where it was, mm-hmm. and I didn't know if a biopsy had been done, right. and whether you know it was mm-hmm. cancerous or yeah. not. So, and age too. I mean, it can happen. Yep. My brother and his family they lost their golden retriever. She was about two mm-hmm. to lymphosarcoma, right? And I mean, it's not even just older dogs now that you have right. to be on the lookout for it. Mm-hmm. Well, the book, again, is called When Your Dog Has Cancer. Lola Ball is the author. Thank you so much for being on the show today and taking the time to come and talk to us. Um, A Help Project is how we met. We're both going to be on the board of this wonderful organization, Animal Hospice, End of Life, and Palliative Care. They're also a great resource if if you're in the area um, or if you have a, a local animal hospice organization to find support to talk to people who have been through it and who maybe are aware of all the different things to really find support through this to make the tough decisions because there's a lot of decisions that need to be made about a lot of different things and none of them are easy. Absolutely. Um, Mostly, though, to just keep in mind that we want to be making decisions for the pet to advocate for them and not not really Mm -hmm. so much our own emotional needs at that time. Yeah. so we'll have to have you back to continue this conversation. There's a lot more to talk about um, and to just try to educate people. Thanks so much for writing the book. And again, what a way to honor your dogs. Yeah. And thank you so much, Julie, for inviting me on the show. It's been a pleasure and I would love to come back. Awesome. So dogradioshow.com is our website. You can find us on Facebook. All of our shows are archived online on iTunes and on our website. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll be back next Wednesday live at 2 and this show is rerun Sunday at 1. 